Thank God, amen, it is a privilege to be here, and um, what a great morning, God is helping us. I did have my Rama moment with God Wednesday night, God is good, and I want you to open to Genesis 17, I'm going to touch on some things that were already spoken this morning. There's a testimony of a pastor and author, Jack Hayford. But he has on his fireplace mantle a mortar and a pestle. There are two items that symbolize the trait of a pharmacist. And the mortar is the mixing bowl and the pestle is the rounded rod they use to grind the substance into powder. And he tells of this having been his passion in life as a teenager. That he had already established the course of his life and he had already constructed his plans that would take him through the pharmaceutical school at the University of California in Berkeley. And he had set his course to spend his life working as a pharmacist. And then everything changed. And it happened at a youth conference when the speaker gave an appeal for who would surrender everything about their lives to God. He stood and he walked to the altar in response And since his life's plan changed forever. And as he responded to God that day, the whole course of his life was channeled in a different direction. Now, when we're talking about the will of God, it requires surrender. It does not work any other way. And while this can be a very uncertain way to live your life, it is also the very most secure way to live your life. You know, there are things that God is going to ask of us that are not going to be easy. And I have no doubt that there are those you're grappling with this, even this morning, because God is asking some hard things of you. You know, the topic of destiny and the will of God is not something that we decide. I remember very distinctly when God called me to preach, I was a very young convert, and it set the course. There was, there was no other options. There was no other considerations. God had made a decision. And it was up to me to respond. You know, God decides our destiny. We respond. And I, I fear that there are too many of God's people that are directing their lives on their own terms without being surrendered to God. And so I want to preach a sermon I've called Covenant, Surrender, and Consecration. Out of Genesis 17, I want you to read with me a little bit of a a portion of Scripture, but beginning in verse 9. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations. But this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male child in your generation. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house, he who is bought with money, must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. The uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person 
shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I'll bless her and give her a son, give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You'll call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him. will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes. I'll make him a great nation, but my covenant I'll establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day, Excuse me. As God had said, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house, born in his house, were bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Covenant surrender. And consecration. I want to first talk about the covenant relationship. It's a little different vantage point than what Pastor Roman talked about. But you know, salvation is all about covenant. And this is simply an agreement, a pledge, a commitment, a promise, or a bond. Now, God comes to Abraham to establish this covenant with him. But this covenant was not just for the sake of Abraham. The Bible says here in verses 9 and 10 that you'll keep the covenant and your descendants after you throughout their generations. For this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. So this places an added dimension of responsibility on our lives as parents. And we can tend to overlook this reality that That God's covenant with us is not just between us and God, but it's also between God and our children. And then he adds throughout their generation. So now this is our grandchildren. So you heard Pastor Stevens Monday night, and I don't, I'm not sure that everybody grasped it. As he's making an appeal, will my children and my grandchildren carry on what I've imparted? Because that's what this is talking about. And this has to be done in a deliberate manner to assure the preservation to the best that we can. And so this requires a purposed approach to placing this covenant that God made with us. It's the parents, the grandparents. When we got saved, making this a high priority in our lives, but not just in our lives, but in Our children's lives, this means the way we're going to raise them. And making this a fixture piece of your home. 
And I'm afraid that there's a lot of failure right here. And you, you may say, man, I got this, no problem. But before you, you go there, you need to realize the requirement of the covenant. Because God's requirement for covenant was circumcision. You know, it's great that your kids get good grades and it's great that they're good kids and they don't give you trouble. But are they circumcised? Because that's really the issue of the covenant. And we can be mistaken. And I've made the same mistakes in raising my children at times of viewing the wrong things as the things that are really the indicators of where they're at spiritually in their lives. Because circumcision involves the cutting off of flesh. Now, the New Testament brings this as a hard issue in Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he who is not a Jew, who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So the idea all remains the same, and that is cutting off things from your life, dealing with the flesh elements of your life, the carnal areas that affect your spiritual condition. You know, we really can become blind not only to our own lives, this area of our own lives, which is why we need an outside perspective. But also, we can become blind to this in our children's lives. And while circumcision was a sign, an outward sign that you were in covenant with the living God, Paul took this in 1 Corinthians 7.19. He said, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandment of God is what matters. So what this covenant all boils down to then is our hearts before God. It's the beatitude in Matthew 5, 8, that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's easy to play the part. Church kids do it all the time. One of the confessions we hear every year in our boot camp is that, you know, I was just playing the part. You know, they, they live carnal, but they act saved. And all of this is meant then to fold into our home. It's meant to fold into our marriage and what we impart to our children and grandchildren. Now I can go there because now I have a grandchild. So it really does take on a whole new element when you begin to get that far away and begin to see and you feel the weight of that. This is becoming more a challenge in the 21st century. Because we can become so secular and worldly and temporal. We don't realize it's bleeding over into all that we do. And it's certainly affecting our children. Listen, it's, it's always been said that, you know, what we, you know, our failures or our bad decisions, our, our children tend to take to the extreme. So, so the best we can give them is a highly circumcised lifestyle as a standard. And this is becoming more and more of a difficulty in the age that we live. And, you know, you may keep the standard in your own life. But do you hold your children to the same standard? 
It's like this fear comes over us. So somehow it's, it's this lie of hell or, or just this something in you that this is somehow, if I, if I hold them what? To what you held yourself to? That somehow you're going to push them away? You know, we've been through the, the road of, of watching one of our children go astray and watching her be redeemed. And I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you from, from having been there, that the only thing that, that brought her back to where she was, my wife and I stood. We kept our standard. We kept our circumcision. We didn't water it down to woo her back. We waited for God to move. And I believe this has become the failure of a generation of parents. You know, who do you think these descendants and generations are that God is talking to Abraham about? Well, let's fast forward to you and I here today. Because God was establishing something all the way back with Abraham that's still at work today and it's still God's expectation. That our covenant relationship with God is directly linked to our destiny in God. And this encounter with Abraham was all about his destiny and the destiny of all of those that would come after him. Just read your New Testament. See how often that Abraham's mentioned. It's not some thing that was just Old Testament, but 30 times in the Gospels his name is mentioned. And 44 times between the book of Acts and all the epistles his name is mentioned. And God is very interested in where this covenant stands in our lives today. I believe that's the examination of what many of the messages have already been. He is concerned with how well it's being implemented into our homes and every aspect of our lives. Listen again in verses 10 through 14. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. It will be a sign and a covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you will be circumcised. Every male child in your generation. He who is born in your house or bought with money or any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And an uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person will be cut off from his people for he's broken my covenant. So this has to do with destiny and calling and and the purpose in the kingdom of God. And, And so this means I'm talking to everybody. Because we know how it's translated in the New Testament. It becomes an issue of our hearts. Let me ask you young people something. Will you allow your parents to bring circumcision to your life? Because this is an issue. You you develop all of these subcultures in your big social media nonsense and, and get these carnal little offsprings going. Will you let your parents bring that circumcision? I've made the, the call and I know it's too radical for some of you, but... Get rid of their phones. What the heck's an under 18 year old need a phone for? But you won't circumcise them. Say what you want. That's the biggest issue we deal with all the time in the, in the office. All the time. And while the sign of covenant was circumcision, you would know it by seeing that the foreskin was cut off. One of the signs... Of God's people, obviously, is that we've cut off the old life. But when I read of Abraham, that's only where it began. 
Because I find some other compelling areas of his life that define this covenant. The first would be his faith. Another would be his obedience to God. Another would be his continual altar that he had in his life. That these were the offspring of that, the evidence of that covenant beyond the obvious cutting of the flesh. So let's talk then as I segue into the necessary surrender. Because here is a major feature of Abraham's covenant with God. It all began for Abraham when God comes to him in Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country for your family and from your father's house to the land that I'll show you. So Abraham leaves all that was familiar to go to a place he's not even sure where it's at. Okay, so this is the beginning of surrender. And, and what do you see him do? But he goes and he talks to his wife, I'm supposing. And Sarah, we're, we're go, where are we going? I don't know. The Lord said south. And so gets his household together, gathers them all and off they go. Significant of, of surrender, but see, it didn't stop there. We find Abraham at another major point in his life as God is now asking him for the most precious thing in his life, his son. Genesis 22, 16 through 18, he's, God said that by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing. In other words, brought his son before him and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing will I bless you. Multiplying will I multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be a blessing because, because you've obeyed my voice. Now we love the promise. We pray the promise. We claim the promise. But are you willing to live the surrender? Because you can't have one without the other. You know, you start talking about surrender and people start getting real nervous. And you got to be careful of not getting roped into people's little world because they want to get off the hook. And so they want you to find, well, what's surrender mean for me? I have no idea. Ask God. You know, they'll start asking questions. Well, what exactly does surrender mean? Well, well, what is God going to ask of me? I don't know. It's probably going to be more than you're willing to give, though. Well, how much do I have to give up? Now, if you're asking those questions, you're probably not there. Because we should be asking, Lord, what do you want from me? With the heart of really, truly following it through. Do you remember the New Testament call in Romans 12.1? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that's your whole being, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's just what's the starting point. So surrender begins here. Okay, God, my whole life, my whole being, my past, my present, my future, it's yours. Now, now what? Well, now God's going to test it. So here's the rich young ruler. 
He says some great things and we have no reason to believe that he did not truly live up to what he said. He kept all the commandments. He was a moral man. There's nothing that Jesus didn't confront him otherwise. And, and that, that, that's a lot. But he's being tested now in the level of his surrender as Jesus then comes at him in Matthew 19, 20 and 21. The young man said, so what do I still lack in I would say it's a good question, but are you really ready for the answer? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. I think that's pretty close to the equivalent of Abraham. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. What's the difference? Abraham did it. This man walked away and didn't do it. And I'm not saying, you know, that you get caught up and, and, and you really, God's moving on you. It's one thing to get emotional. God's going to test it. Abraham came to a similar place. When he and Lot are deciding to part ways. So one way is this flourishing oasis. The other represented struggle. Which would you take? But because Abraham lived a surrendered life, he gave Lot the choice. Because he had already settled the issue. He didn't need an oasis to live. He didn't care. This is about what God wants for my life. Wherever, however, whenever, whyever. Similar to Paul's words in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are the words of a surrendered man. I don't have to have this status of life for everything to work, or I don't care if... Wherever, God. However. So this brings me to a point that's hard to swallow. God is going to ask of you hard things, things that you really don't want to do. And He's not going to relent. And let's not fool ourselves, especially those that have been around a while, that you've lived some years of life or you have years of ministry under your belt. We never stop living a surrendered life. A life that requires of us high levels of sacrifice. Now, I want you to think about the age factor for a moment. Because Abraham in our text is 100 years old. His wife is 90. Abraham is cutting off his foreskin at 99 years old. Do you understand the pain? Do you understand how hard that was? Because God doesn't ask easy things. Sarah is going to have a child in her 90s. Now, my wife and I are helping raise our grandchild in our late 40s. 
My wife would go into an absolute depression if she got pregnant right now. But think about this. The main thrust of their destiny is just being birthed in their lives in their 90s. Somehow we think we've done it all. We've seen it all. We've experienced it all. You know, surrender is not just something we do when we're young, energetic, vibrant, and skinny. But their greatest sacrifices are just becoming evident after years of sacrifice and hardship. See, this is where we get caught up. Because we've been down a hard road, a difficult time, and, and we really are not interested in any more hardship. We've already been there. But yet, what I see in the father of our faith in Abraham and this whole act of surrender is that First of all, their destiny is just being birthed in their 90s. They've already been through all sorts of hardship and their greatest sacrifices are just beginning. So what's this trend then of older converts and older pastors taking a back seat? Moses becomes a leader of a nation at 80 years old. Caleb leads a high-intensity military operation at 85. Haggai the prophet was, they believe, was at least 90 when he delivered his message about rebuilding the temple. All of them already, you just look at their lives, they followed a path of difficulty and hardship only to embark upon the main thrust of their destiny late in life. That's why you need to Take care of your physical body, because if you're going to live to fulfill it all, don't kill yourself at the table. You know, it's a nervous laugh. I know that's okay. (laughs) William Ivy Baldwin walked a tightrope across a canyon at the age 82. Gladys Burrow ran a marathon at 82. Grandma Moses started painting at 76. Three years later, her paintings were hanging in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Telshi Irarashi climbed Mount Fuji at 100 years old. John Glenn went to space at age 77. Diana Nead swam from Cuba to Florida at age 64. Colonel Sanders started KFC at 65. Momofuku Ando... Invented ramen noodles at 61 and all the single men said amen. (laughs) Ronald Reagan entered politics at 55. Ray Kroc created the fast food giant McDonald's at 52. Oscar Schwann entered an Olympic, earned an Olympic medal at age 72. John Pemberton invented Coca-Cola at the age of 55. And somehow we've already... Experienced it all. You know, for the longest time, I didn't like it when Pastor Mitchell would say, if you can see yourself doing anything else but preaching, then do it. And I would say to myself, Pastor Mitchell, you're going to let these people off the hook with their calling. But see, something I didn't understand. that I do get it now. That is the level of surrender 
and sacrifice it takes to live with a driving passion to be a preacher requires everything of you for an entire lifetime. Therefore, if you can see yourself doing anything else, then do it. Because you won't make it. You won't make it. And it really is. And you feel the reverberations when I said it last Wednesday and Pastor Stephen said it Monday night. Career or calling. You don't like the or in there. That's what it takes, folks. And in our secular age, many are trying to redefine the terms. You must have an intense passion for your calling above any other passion in life. Now, we're all for Listen, I tell the younger generation, I had a young man come to me after I preached last Wednesday on when the Lord passes by, and he said, follow me. And he's, he's trying to get uh, into... Uh, a two-year program, and man, should, no, do your two-year program. You're going to need that. Just know that one day you're going to have to boil the oxen. As one man said, God will stretch you in areas that you find your security. You know, a call to preach will stretch you in areas that you find security. You know, a call to be a missionary will stretch you in the areas you find your security. But it's not surrender if it doesn't cost us something. We're good at counting the cost, but how good are you at paying the cost? Because God eventually asked Abraham for the very son that he gave him. Which brings me to believe the greater things God wants to do in your life, the greater he's going to ask of you. Which leads me also to believe that our greatest sacrifices are still ahead of us. So let me close with the necessary consecration. You know, circumcision was also an act of consecration. Now, circumcision set them apart as the people of God. It was a mark in their flesh. This was required for all that wanted to associate with them. So in verses 12 and 13... Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from a foreigner, who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house, bought with your money, must be circumcised. So here's Abraham setting himself apart at 99 years old. And those that would not be circumcised, God said, they've broken my covenant. Well, let's apply this. Let's apply this. If you're not interested in living a consecrated life, then you have no part in the will of God. That's what that's saying. He said to every generation. We know that merged and translated in the New Testament living in a different way. But listen, it wasn't erased. If you're not interested in consecration, if that's an offense to your senses, you have no part in the will of God. Because you do no more than living for self and calling it God. And he, Because here's the depth of the subject of consecration. You cannot refuse it without consequence. And in verse 11, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So you may say, okay, 
Well, how would anyone know they were circumcised and therefore know they're the people of God? That's a pretty good question. But here's the important part. God knew and God saw. And that's really what matters. What God sees and what God knows. And God knows and he sees if there's consecration in our lives. He knows whether you live set apart or live a carnal existence. God sees the content and hears the content of your prayer meetings. God knows your commitment to his word. God knows where our passions are in life. God knows whether you have obeyed or disobeyed. God knows whether you're living out covenant or not. And God is always dealing with us about a higher level of living and a deeper consecration. Always. The the longer you stay in ministry, if that's not happening, something's wrong. But he's calling you to something deeper, something higher. So Abraham's promise of fruitfulness was linked to all that I'm talking about. Covenant, surrender, and consecration. If your heart is, and I believe you're here, traveled far, I believe this is your heart. God use me. God make me fruitful. God bless me. Well, it's linked to covenant, surrender, and consecration. It's not always been easy, you know. Following the will of God is not always easy. When God taps you in the spirit, starts dealing with you about stuff, it's not always easy. I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't have some serious Jacob moments with God before he made me conform to some things. But at the end of the day, God doesn't lower the standard. Let me ask you, can God ask hard things from you? Does God still have the main drive of your passion in life in your older age? After you've been through hardships. After you've sacrificed. And maybe it didn't all turn out the way you thought it should. Can God still get that out of you again? Do you live in such a way to constantly cut out flesh from your life? Because that's going to be a lifelong process. We are carnal people. We need God to help us. Are you of the mind that you're willing to still sacrifice even after years of sacrificing? Because it's never going to stop. As long as we're doing this and this is our compelling vision, it's never going to stop. As Pastor Roman was saying, that this conference, yes, you can feel it. It's on a higher level. I'll tell you everything about it's a higher level. What it requires of us, what it requires of every church here, the money that's needed. I can tell you right now, this conference was was over $100,000. I don't know what came in last night, but I can tell you there was still about 70000 lingering, just to put that out there for the next offering. But the truth is that one altar call like what we're going to have this morning can change the course of your life forever. Just like Jack Hayford testified, he stood, walked to the altar in response, and his life's plans 
changed forever. As he responded to God that day, the whole course of his life was channeled in a different direction. God is looking to channel some lives in a different direction this morning. Some young people here, it's time to stop acting saved and actually being saved. And you watch what God will do. You watch the magnet you'll become for the kingdom of God. Abraham lived this out from the day he left Ur of the Chaldeans to his death. And this is what the covenant requires of you and I. A lifetime of surrender and consecration until our death. You know, thank God for the past. We have reference points. There's nothing wrong with a preacher using past things. It's, a, it's an inspiration, but... But let us not gloat in our past accomplishments or acts of obedience. Because God's not done asking of you for high levels of sacrifice. Don't become satisfied in what you've done for God. You need to seek greater things. And there are people here. You're living in disobedience to a calling. Others, you have harbored heart issues that have not been resolved. Some, you're failing with your children. You'll do without, but you won't make them do without. You may live circumcised, but you're not requiring circumcision of them. This altar is to reinitiate covenant, surrender, and consecration. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. So much has been said this morning, so profound, so deep, so stirring, so challenging. And I'll tell you what Pastor Joe preached, that's honestly the longing of my heart. My heart jumps to hear about the cloud and the glory. God, we need that, we want that. I'll be honest with you, I had my Rama moment Wednesday night when Pastor, or Tuesday night rather, when Pastor Greg Mitchell was preaching. But it wasn't like all emotions and goosebumps. It was some deep conviction. Pastor Roman preached about covenant relationships. So much to respond to this morning. Maybe you're here before I go any further. You're not right with God. Greatest decision of all of life is right here this morning. What are you going to do about Jesus? He died for you. He paid the ultimate price for our sins. Are you going to give your life over to Christ and repent? Or are you going to keep living for yourself? Yeah, this is, this is a divine moment for your life. If you'll respond to Jesus Christ, things will change forever. Powerful, miraculous way. And you're saying, you know what, Pastor Baglisi, I'm not right with God. But I'm ready for God to change me today. I'm ready to repent and ask Jesus in my life. And I want to ask you to do something if that's you and God's dealing with you. Would you just lift your hand up so I can see it? And as soon as we see that, God bless you. Who else? I'm not right with God, but I'm ready this morning. This is your day. This is your moment. God and you. If you can only imagine. You may feel all singled out. I remember feeling that way when I wasn't right with God. But I'm telling you, God's going to meet you when you come to this altar. Something miraculous is going to take place. Who else with this honest heart? I'm not right. I'm ready to get right today. Please pray for me. Lead me to Jesus. Who else? You're backslidden. Come back to Christ. 
you've found out it's a bitter taste. Nothing's changed. The world is still the world. But God is calling you back today. Would you come to Jesus? Who else? With his honest heart. I'm not right. I'm ready to get right. Lift your hand up all across this assembly. Okay, you lifted your hand. Would you look at me? Would you look at me? You lift, did you mean that? I want to ask you to come. Somebody's following him up. Every other head is bowed. Every other eye is closed. We're, we're pondering what the Spirit of God is saying to our hearts all morning, all conference long. Right, right here. God bless you. This covenant was to every generation. It involved covenant, surrender, and consecration. You're never going to get away from those. If you do, you've gotten off track. If those don't describe what you're contending for and what God is doing in your life, you've gotten off track. Because I can tell you, from the years of being saved, that God just asked what seemed like harder things. It's never easy. That's why it's called surrender. And we have Abraham as the example of all these things. God asked him for the thing he loved the most in life. He was willing to do it. Where do we stand this morning when it comes to the issues of our hearts? Some of you, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're not floundering already, you will be soon if you don't get relationships right in your life. That alone is going to take surrender from you. Because you're harboring things in your heart they are not right. They're not of God. And at some point, you're going to begin to lose consecration. There's young people I want to challenge you this morning. Don't just act saved, be saved. Put away your subculture you've created in the church. Put away your carnal nonsense. Circumcise yourself. Govern yourself. Put some roadblocks to all of the things that you're indulging in. Parents, it's... It's upon us. It's incumbent on us and his grandparents. It really was legitimate for Pastor Stevens to submit that to the conference body Monday night. Very legitimate. Because that's what this is saying. God help us to feel the weight of that. The seriousness of that. So God has spoken many, many things. Hearts are being moved. We're going to come to this altar. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's make a place of this altar. It's a place for covenant. It's a place for surrender. And it's a place for consecration this morning. God is looking to bring circumcision at this altar this morning. Oh, I'll tell you what. When those sacrifices would go upon that altar and the smoke of that altar would go before God, it smelled so good in heaven. As you'll surrender at this altar today, oh, the smoke of it will go up before God. The aroma will be a beauty in the nostrils of God. He's looking for surrender today.
Yes, he's asking hard things. Yes. That's what he does. Because his will requires that. Uli bikando roshi bisianda rasa yoroshe. Ikondi biaramandi bisibi yoroshe. Oh, God, take our lives today at this altar, Lord. Consume them in your holiness, Lord. Burn up the idle things of our lives, Lord. The idolatrous pursuits of our hearts. Oh, God, bring us to that holy place once again. Lord, that your glory would fall. The heavens would be opened, O God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My Lord and my God, we thank you. Have a right of way, O God. Let there be liberty where the Spirit of God would work. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior, wonderful. Fill this place, O God, today. All that you are, Lord, consume us this morning, Lord. Take the fire of the altar and place it on our lives, Lord. Oh, you need to touch heaven today. God is drawing you into his holy place right now. Oh, his anointing would break through in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord and Savior. Wonderful God. Wonderful God. Hallelujah. Gracious and merciful is our God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to stand at the altars. Just your heads bowed. Don't go to your seats. Uh, Oh, God help us. You know, men will come. I've had numbers come this week, even from different churches. And trust me, I don't violate the pastoral relationship. But tell them if God's placed something in your heart, go to your pastor. Tell them. Tell them. Some of you are afraid to tell them because you're afraid of the acceleration. You need to go tell them. Oh, God, we thank you. Hallelujah. As a couple people, I just want to take time. Where's Troy Johnson? Right here. You know, um, I kind of had a sense all week, and then I was taking Pastor Ruby to the airport this morning on the way back. I just I felt the little deposit of what to say to you. You know, we can be our own worst critic. And we can be the hardest on ourselves. But you know what God told me? Two simple words that he said to say to you. Well pleased. He's well pleased. And that needs to be what defines you. That needs to be your identity. God is well pleased. Where, where is Danielle Arceo?
she in the hallway? Go find her. Where's Carrie Perez? Over here. You know, there's, there's a scripture that talks about hiding under the shadow of his wing. And, and you know, that's, what, that's where God's bringing you. You know, life will be chaos unless we learn to live under the shadow of his wing. That's the place of security. It doesn't change what's happening around us. It doesn't change circumstances, but it changes us. And that's the change God wants to bring in you. That you're going to begin to really define the art of casting your cares upon Jesus. And hiding under the shadow of his wing. And in that, you're going to be a new person. You're going to be a new person. God's going to break yokes, powerful yokes. He's already doing in the name of Jesus. There she is. You know, surrender, Danielle, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And what I really felt God telling me to tell you, you need to surrender to your circumstance. That's the hardest thing sometimes. Because our circumstances are unwanted. They're difficult. They're not something we like. And we think by fighting against them, somehow it's going to change. God says, you surrender that, and you know what your portion is going to be? Joy. That's what you need, right? The joy of God. God's going to help you. Why don't we lift our voices and worship God together? Oh, God, we thank you. Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior, wonderful. He could Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. See a little rebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebebeb
holy and faithful love. Robo korobo sorobo korebe sibi karabasai. Korebe kiorobo soro korobo se. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord and Savior, Redeemer. God, you are holy before us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb of God, we thank you, Jesus. Redeemer of all, we thank you, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior. Rejoicing in all that you are, O oh God, hallelujah. He corribed, he ended a best beyond that rabacoroshe. Hallelujah. Gracious and merciful, long suffering. He corribed, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, righteous and holy God. We love you, O oh God, and praise you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Righteous, faithful. Worthy is the Lamb, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah.
honor him that the stars in the heaven cannot be numbered and your descendants and the fruitfulness I have for you only stay on my path saith God do not veer off for I have great destiny for you in these last days thus says Lord thy God just give him worship hallelujah thank you Lord hallelujah So we're going to dismiss, amen, remember, uh, service starts an hour early uh, tonight, prayer at five, let's come, let's lay hold of heaven, amen, God is doing something in this conference, amen.